Yes, is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, hello, all of you out there in writing land. I, I hope you've been writing. If you listened in last week, I kind of did the setup for how do you write a really fast book. And in fact, I rolled out the official um, face-to-face in person of how to write a book in four weeks. And we're going to be doing that online starting next month. But whoa, what a session we had last Tuesday night. And everyone's off and running and they're writing. We're exhausted. But having your whole book actually outlined within a very short period of time and then going forward with it and seeing how these batches come together and how you pull from all your other material, um, and which is the great news when you're pulling from your own stuff, you avoid some of the issues we're going to be talking about today and instead of going down the line of, do I have to get permission to this? Am I going to, you know, is, is someone going to get their uh, tush in the ring because maybe I quoted something and their name was involved with it or their group was affiliated with it or, you know, who knows. So it's really important to understand those nuances with that. But the exciting thing was is that uh, I limit my class to 20 people and we have 20 people who are going to write a book within a month and literally be ready to go to print before the summer's over um, they have to do some fine-tuning. They have the editing, but I even had the, the uh, people who were there with a very set low price who were going to do the covers and the interior design so that we could take them and run with them with a project. And this is all about writing a short book. Uh, you know, short is the new black in my definition, that we have to get away from these long tomes that have been so common over the years, especially, you know, both fiction and nonfiction, but nonfiction had, you know, store bookstore um, uh, doorstops. So anyway, we are off and running. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I reached out to Helen Sedwick, who's got a wonderful book that she's the author of, The Self-Publisher's Guide to a Legal uh, Handbook, that you want to get a hold of and go to Amazon and buy a copy, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we're going to get into all kinds of goodies in the legal realm that will basically cover your tush. And what are some of these red flags out here uh, that we have? Helen has over 30 years of legal experience, uh, and she is an expert with working with writers on how to stay out of court and keep on writing, which is always a good thing. And so what we're going to do is jump in with copyrights, which everyone always brings up. 
you know, what it is, where am I protected, where am I not? We're going to talk about some of the messy, messy contracts that both of us have seen people get into, authors get into, because of ignorance, of being naive, of, of rushing to publish, of, of desperation, of just not knowing any better. And so with that, Helen, let's just jump into this. Welcome to Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. Thank you, Judith. I'm glad to be here. All right. So, and, and we're glad actually to to have you here. And you know, one of the things that you said when you and I were talking is that um, writers assume that their biggest risk are, are defamation claims, and they really aren't. So, how? Why would so many be worried about that? Well, writers do worry, especially if they're reaching inside themselves and really trying to reveal and pursue interesting truths. If they're using real people either as models for characters or they're writing a memoir or other nonfiction work where they're actually naming real people, they worry uh, both about potential legal claims and they worry about seeing that person again. Uh, now, I can't really help with people with dealing with family gatherings after they write a book. <laughs> But I do try to yes, exactly. I do try to help people and give them some assurance that that the defamation and privacy claims are actually really tough claims for somebody to pursue against a writer. If you're writing fiction, uh, it's easy to avoid by really masking the distinguishing characteristics of a person. But even in nonfiction, if you, uh, with a little bit of understanding about what the limits are, you know, like that you have to be truthful and that you have to uh, be sensitive to truly private matters, there is an incredible amount of leeway that you have, especially in the United States, to write about uh, events of your own life. But where, where writers make bigger mistakes, which I say, you know, there, there are hundreds of thousands of books published each year, and maybe there are a few hundred defamation cases, but tens of thousands of writers will have signed on to really ugly, unfair contracts. And they do that because they assume they won't understand the legal issues. They assume that if they ask too much, uh, they'll lose the opportunity to publish, uh, or they simply don't take the time. So I'm, a, as I, you and I talked about, I'm a real advocate. I, I am convinced that any writer who can master voice and pacing and plot and character and all the other challenges of writing <laughs> can understand enough copyright law to be able to spot when something is not right, not fair, and then reach out and get the help they need. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one of the things uh, in, uh, in in the contracts I've, I'm fascinated, and I don't know when it really disappeared, was one of my favorite clauses, which was called the reversion of rights, when you could take it back. And I, my gut is that it had to disappear when print-on-demand became popular. Um, for a lot of books, because right now a publishing company can keep a book in life for perpetuity by printing one copy a year and say it's never out of print. Yes. Uh, well, let's, I'm going to back up for a second and just explain what 
copyright is for people who okay. may not be, but who kind of know it as a word but doesn't know what it means. Uh, a copyright attaches as soon as a writer or any, any creator puts their creation in a tangible form. That could be written on a piece of paper or on a computer hard drive. And you don't, no longer have to register it. You no longer have to mark it with a C circle and a date. Those are good ideas, but your copyright is just as valid, even if you don't do the, take those steps. Mm-hmm. Now, the way you then use, exploit your copyright is you get other people to help you take it out there in the world. You're writing a publisher or a self-publishing company or an e-book company. And so what you think about it is if you're the author, you own this apartment building. And you're going to rent out little rooms to people for rent, for, um, t- to print your book. Like one room might be ebooks in Spanish, another might be audio books in Mandarin. Whether you're going traditional publishing or self publishing, you only want to grant rights to people that they can actually use, rights to publishers. Like, for instance, if you're, you have a ch- children's book and you're working with an app publisher, you want to give them the rights to, to publish your book as an app. You wouldn't want to give them audio rights in various languages because they don't have the wherewithal to exploit that, to, to put it out in the market. So, so you, you, you want to both limit your grant of rights to what a, a publisher can actually use, and if they're not actually making money for you or for themselves, you want to be able to get it back. And that's where the reversion of rights clause mm-hmm, comes. Mm-hmm. If, you're no, if you know, a tenant's it, no longer paying rent, you want to get the apartment back. Exactly, Helen. But isn't it fairly typical that in any kind of contract that, that authors get into is they ask for everything. They meaning a publisher, if you're dealing with a publisher, they're going to ask for everything, even though they aren't really uh, skilled in even doing what they ask for. Yes, Uh you should writers should not assume that the contract that they're that that's been handed to them. You don't assume you can't negotiate it. I've got a double negative there, but everything mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. negotiable. Mm-hmm. Chances are the first thing they give you is overreaching and unfair. Um, take the time and get the help you need to understand it because a lot of it will be negotiable. And some of the things that are negotiable is how how many rights they're getting to how many formats and languages. And when they have to get the book out, if they don't get the book out by a certain time, you should get the rights back. And at what time do the rights expire if sales go down below Mm -hmm. a certain amount? Those Mm -hmm. are all big issues, and those are negotiable. Mm -hmm. And and then the other thing is, outside the contract, does this publisher have the wherewithal, both in capital and skills and people capital, not just to actually get your book into the market. What's happened with self-publishing is just like everyone thinks they're a writer, now everyone thinks they're a publisher. And there are all these teeny tiny publishing companies that are really no more than a couple people who published a few of their own books. So there are a lot of publishers out there that really don't have any wherewithal to get your book, to do any better with your book than you would do yourself. Mm-hmm. So you really want to investigate who it is you're signing on with. 
uh, you know, I, I can't state that enough <laughs> that everybody and their uncle says they're an expert in self-publishing. Um, they, you know, they don't claim it's interesting enough in the indie publishing because indie publisher have, uh, they're usually those of us who have been around a lot longer than the person who published their first book and now all of a sudden they're an expert, which scares me a lot. But I think it's really important to understand that it's easy to get sucked into it. It's easy to talk it up um, and be pulled along in those paths. And you've had to deal with them. I've had to deal with them. But we've also had to deal with some really big companies that have been out here who who seem to prey on these authors. There are some very big companies. And if you, if you Google um, self-publishing, they're the first ones that come up in the search that have – that have very bad reputations. No, uh, horrible. Yeah, horrible and you know what? Yeah, hold on this because we need to take a quick break. Okay. And we're going to come back to because actually Helen is leading us into publishing predators. So what are the things that you need to do to protect yourself? We'll be right back. It's Author You, your guide to book publishing. is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Many of us have dreamed of writing a book. Some of us even have. Then the hard work starts. You'll need an editor. Who will design the cover or typeset the pages? Who will format the ebook? If you're a business owner, consultant, or coach with a serious message and expertise to share, the team of experts at 1106 Design can guide you through the maze. They've helped more than a 1,000 authors create top-quality books and avoid the not-so-reputable self-publishing companies. Learn more at 1106design.com. Then call Michelle at 602-866-3226. 1106design. Is there a book in you or another? Author You will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publish. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author You is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author You today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author You on Twitter at Author You and on Facebook at Author You, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author You, where the author goes to become seriously successful. With quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. First impressions are everything in the world of book publishing. Whether your book is an ebook, a print version, or both, your book cover needs to pop, sizzle, and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience. 
and your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand. Nick Selinger of NZ Graphics has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. With over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit ncgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me today is Helen Sedwick. She is an attorney specializing in uh, publishing-related items for authors and writers. She's also the author of an excellent book. I'd recommend all of you take your happy fingers over and click on Amazon and order a copy of the Self-Publisher's Legal Handbook. Um, And I have to tell you, you know, I, I I had a copy and I loaned it to someone and I haven't seen it back which was a mistake. I know better than to do that. <laughs> you shouldn't loan books unless you're willing to give them away. So, and, you know, I have to get my copy, so I'll be doing that also when the hour is over. But one of the things is you need to understand, you know, Helen's talking about the value of copyright. So, you know, Helen, before we jump into the predators, what is copyrightable? Uh, what is copyrightable is your uh, writer's manuscript, uh, mm-hmm. What's not copyrighted, which people understand, you've written this work, it's how you've expressed your story. Yes. Now, what's not copyrightable is the basic idea of your story. Like if you're writing a love story, I mean, anybody else can write a love story, even a love story with, you know, with some of the specifics of yours. So um, what's also not copyrightable, which is a little easier to talk about, are stock characters. Like if you have the damsel in distress or the handsome but dull hero, those kind of stereotypical characters cannot be copyrighted. But if you have a very distinctive character, a Harry Potter or a, a villain of some kind that's quite distinctive, not only your story but even your characters um, the distinctive characteristics of your characters can be uh, protected by copyright. Mm-hmm. Uh, lyrics, images, uh, song recordings, all of those are any kind of creative work that has been fixed into a tangible uh, medium so that it can be recorded and looked at and seen by others. And what about titles? Ah. Uh, Good I, I, I had to throw that on the table because it's Absolutely. one that always comes up. Titles are not protected by copyright. That is ironic because anybody who's agonized over coming up with a good title knows how hard it is. Oh, the yeah. theory behind it is is that titles are too short. Uh, we don't want to lock up too many words in ownership rights to particular people uh, so that 
the copyright law does not protect a title. If a title becomes very popular, uh, becomes associated with a very popular book like The Da Vinci Code, then mm-hmm. sometimes titles can become trademarks, but that's mm-hmm. because they become associated in the mind of the public with a particular book. But writers should try to come up with unique titles, but just understand um, that you may not be able to stop someone else from using the exact same title. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, one of the things I recommend, Helen, is that whatever title you come up with, one of the exercises, and I did it on Tuesday night with my writers that I was working with, is I want you to go into Google and just copy that baby into their search and see what comes up <laughs> with your Absolutely. title. Absolutely. Some writers are very lazy about their title. If you go to Amazon and you put in Betrayed, there are like 25 books with that title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> come on. You can come up with something better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing, you know, Living With Blank. There are just they're countless books with the same title. Uh, so writers, you know, think of your titles. Um, think... Don't so if you, your title happens to be the same as somebody else's, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, but put a little effort into them. But also uh, pay attention to what Helen said that if it becomes associated with you, um, and it becomes a banner, a tag, uh, a tr- oh, you know, you might want to really go after and get the federal trademark. And my friend yeah. Susan Rowan, who really wrote one of the, the first books on how to work a room, which was the title "How to Work a Room," and it's just had its twenty fifth anniversary with a huge new edition, um, was able to get the federal trademark for that. Yes. Uh, if that's one of the prizes of success, if I hope all of our listeners have this problem. If, <laughs> I, if you have that problem, then then you, it's time. You could probably get the registration yourself, but you know, you, then you could also hire a trademark lawyer or some kind of trademark paralegal or service that can help you get the registration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that is a pain in the tush. I've gone through it. It's a pain in the tush. All right. Yeah, so filling yeah, out forms. Yes. Yes, yeah. Oh, well, it's it's it's, it's the government. <laughs> and and I think people who go into law have more of a mentality than I do in dealing with that. I I could have been judge, but a lawyer, I'm not sure. Uh okay, so, um predators. What are some of the commonalities that you are seeing that may be a little bit different than, you know, you've been in, uh, you've got over 30 years of legal experience. What's changed? Why are there so many of them? Oh, Mark, uh, writers are easy marks. (laughs) Mm. Um, A lot of people, they... They're writing uh, as is there something on this they're doing on the side. Perhaps they're writing their life story, um, and they're not and, and they don't even give enough value to what they're doing. They are thinking, oh well, it's just my little hobby. So, so they don't do the kind of homework in protecting themselves that they should do. Uh, it also many of um, writers, especially the naive writers, tend to be older. At their end, they're also not maybe not as sophisticated in get, signing contracts. So we have, I think, a vulnerable population 
uh, among writers. But they're both dreamers or perhaps doing this as a side job and not focusing the way they should. And then there are some companies out there have just decided that we, writers are easy marks. You, they sell them a dream. We're going to make it so easy to turn your book into a printed book that you, you can share with your family and your friends and you can sell on Amazon. And we'll make it easy. Mm-hmm. And so they sell people a shortcut. So the, what's, and what is bad is that the, a lot of these companies have such an overreaching contract that you pay them when you go in to the contract to put your book together. And because not only have you paid them to put your book together, but now they pretty much own your book. If you ever want to get out of that contract, you have to pay them again. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I find about these predators. They, They tend to overcharge writers for their services by promising Mm -hmm. to make it easy and a wonderful experience. They don't follow through. The services tend to be very poor, very late. They tend to keep nickel and diming the writers over and over again for charges. Uh, And then they don't really help you sell your book because they're not in the market. They don't make money by selling books. They make money by selling services to writers. And so the writer has signed on for somebody who's merely picking their pocket and not really helping them sell books. What I look for is, well, first of all, just do some research online and look at the company's reputation. A lot of these companies have a very bad reputation, and you just have to look past the first page of your Google search to see about their reputation. And then if you want to look at their contract, start right with the paragraph that says something like grant of rights or ownership. Don't start reading at the beginning of the contract. You'll be worn out by the time you get to the good stuff. Go right to those provisions. If you see the words exclusive or assignment, then mm-hmm. that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in self-publishing, any, any grant of rights should be non-exclusive. Really, you're hiring, if you're going to hire a company to help you put your books together, it's like hiring a contractor to work on your house. They don't own your house at the end of it. You own your house. They build it, and then they get out. (laughs) You don't give the contractor the exclusive right to live in your house and tell you who else can live there. So they should get a non-exclusive right merely to produce your book and sell it and that you can terminate at any time and stop them from selling it. Mm-hmm. And, and let me add in something here, too, because I've seen some of these contracts have a clause that says you can terminate your contract uh, under a mutually, you know, a mutually agreed termination. Well, if you want a divorce and the other party doesn't, you're in deep doo-doo. So get mutually agreed out. <laughs> right. Or, uh, now this is a fact, so I'm going to, you know, there, author solutions and their company's contract says that even uh-huh. if you fire them and you terminate the contract, they can continue to sell your book for up to a year. And mm-hmm. they can even continue to sell it after that, all, as long as they pay you royalties. Now, for a writer who has a book that's successful, that then a traditional publisher comes to you and says, I love your book. I want to publish it. If you can't get all your rights back from iUniverse or Author Solutions, you're going to lose that traditional publishing deal because they don't want Author Solutions selling the book at the same time. 
No, part of their deal is is to come in and terminate it. I mean, a lot of times they have authors who have leftover inventory, and they kind of let you get through them, but they want it terminated. We're going to come back to this. We're going to take yeah. another quick break. Helen Sedwick was, was with me, the author of Self-Publishers Legal Handbook. This is Author You, your guide to book publishing, and I'm Judith Browse. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing with Judith Bryles, we will provide you a discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com. This is the TogiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972. They believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. At last year's, uh, or I should say this year's, but in our last Author You Extravaganza, we had uh, we had a couple of people who were actually agents and and had a couple of their authors there because they wanted to learn about marketing and the like. And one of the things that 
once said to me, it says, you know, there's so much about being an independent publisher and all that. And I said, the reality is that you have to, you have to know everything we're talking about. I don't care if you go with traditional or non-traditional, there are pitfalls everywhere you can go. And you've got to really understand that. And these authors need to know how to market themselves because they're in, dis, you know, you're, you're leaving them bound in disillusion if you think they're going to be a kept author because it doesn't work that way anymore. And one of the things is really to understand these things to look for that Helen Sedwick is really pointing out. I mean, just that simple word, non-exclusive, is so critical because they will ask for your firstborn and your puppies, too, if they could. Is that not right, Helen? Yes. Uh, in traditional publishing, uh, you will be giving a publisher some exclusive rights. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I said before, you want to limit those rights to what that publisher can actually uh, use to both your benefit and the publisher's benefit. And you want those rights to revert back to you if the publisher isn't either getting your book out or goes bankrupt or is no longer doing a good job selling your book. But in not in self-publishing, where the author is putting the investment in financial and time investment into editing and design and production and marketing, all your contracts should be non-exclusive. There are some instances where you might have an exclusive contract if you're uh, if you're getting particular services from a supplier, but then it should be easy to terminate and get those rights back. When you're self-publishing. You are the publisher, and you should retain all your rights. That the financial investment and the rights should really be tied together. If, you, if that makes sense to you, sure, makes it makes total sense to me. Yes, I, you and know, that I, yeah. among the things writers need to learn when they're going into this business is some of this legal vocabulary. It is very learnable. There are a lot of resources out there. Uh, for writers to learn how to do this and to and to not be intimidated by it, which is just it, so critical. Oh. It is so critical. Yeah. And when I hear, it, yes, it can see, seem overwhelming, but just like writing a book before you start seems overwhelming. But you learn if you take it page by page, word by word. You do get from the beginning to the end. And mm -hmm. the same thing with the process of publishing, whether it's self-publishing or traditional publishing. Take it in small bites, make sure you understand and you get each bite right, and you will get to the end and understand it. Which makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, by the way, Helen Sedwick is our guest this this hour. She is the author of the Self-Publishers Legal Handbook, of which, during the last break, I went and bought another copy for myself on Amazon. And I want you all to know that it is it is it, this book has been out for well over a year, and it is still number two in books for intellectual property. And the, the only one ahead of you is about patents, Helen. Oh, well... <laughs> Well, there are a lot of geeks out there going for patents. So. <laughs> there you go. All right. So this is the book to get. If you're dealing with publishing and writing, you want to get Helen's book, the self-publishers legal handbook. And even if it says self-publishers are thinking book, if you are a writer, this book is also for you. So don't don't stay away from that. All right. So let, let's jump on some uh, some other things. Is there anything else that we should be looking at uh, for some of these for some of the predators that are naivete, I'm going to say we're naive, we're ignorant, we don't know any different, that will show a quick red flag? Uh, 
there's a new form of a publishing company company popping up called a hybrid publisher. Oh, yeah, they're, they're out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're out there, where the author pays some money for editing and design services, but maybe it's a little bit less. And then this, the group called the hybrid publisher or a partner publisher, they have different names, um, they, they, keep, they get somewhat of royalty, a bigger percentage of sales, and they get an exclusive right for a period of time. I'm very uncomfortable with those contracts. I'm, somebody might be doing it right, but everything I've seen so far, it seems very much like people are setting up this publishing company in their garage, and they're trying to do it on the cheap. And um, I know Jane Friedman just wrote an article about hybrid publishers and some of her guidelines on how to evaluate whether it's a good idea. But in my view, if a writer is going to be self-publishing and paying all the money to turn the manuscript into a book, really the, the author is better at being there doing it themselves or hiring someone like you, Judith, to help them coach them through this process uh, that ultimately you're going to have more control and get a lot more satisfaction, both financial and emotional, if you maintain control over your work. You know what? I, I'm going to give you a little side note. There's someone I'm actually I'm a two-hour slot with her tomorrow morning who came to me who had was working with one of the hybrids and going on, and they came up with her print bids, and there was just, um, I think, Whatever they had, maybe they just gave her a bid. And I said, oh, for God's sakes, I'm going to let, you know, I'll, I know the pages. Let me go out. I'm going to get specs. I'm going to go to five, five of the people that I work with. Our print bids came in, Helen, 50% less than what they were being quoted. And so I'm telling you, and, and plus, as soon as I get them, I just forward them to the client. And I said, one of the differences is when you deal with someone, you know, and there's people like me out there, I, we don't add on money on top of it, which I know for sure that's what's going on. Because if someone's quoting you for a thousand books and they're saying it's going to cost you five thousand, I know bloody hell it ain't going to cost you that. So, so Unless, again, they're, yeah. they're taking advantage of people who haven't had the time or feel that they don't have the resources or somehow to understand the process. And I, I think writers are underestimating their capabilities. You can understand this process and handle mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Easily, you know, and as I told, I, as I told her, I said, all you had to do was go to the author, you, you know, premier partners, associate partners, and all those, all those people in there have already been vetted. I know that you're going to get a good quality product. I mean, I had one said, what if you send everyone exclusive to us? And I said, you know, I'm not going to do that. He says, we'll give you, you know, a little commission. I said, I'm not going to do that. My criteria is you do a great job at the best price. That's all I want. That's all I want for our author you members. So um, let's, let's, let's kind of move along. So what else sure. is, is we're looking for? So the hybrid publishers, I agree with you. There, there are warning, there are flags. We've got a lot of yellow flies. There's some blatant red flags out there. But it's easier to say you're doing that. And um, I think if anyone's getting bids for you for anything, you ought to ask to see the actual bid. That's a good idea. And then I think another trap uh, writers fall into are contests. There are a lot of contests out there that are fairly expensive, and they are merely run by marketing companies. And so you win a prize, which might be just some stickers that you put on your, 
your book, but the prize and the contest have no prestige. There's, they're not really run by any kind of literary organization. They're run by an advertising agency. Mm-hmm. And they charge like 70 or $80 per book submission. Uh, so uh, what I, the advice I give to writers, I think there are a lot of very good writing contests, and I think entering a contest is a great way to get to distinguish your book in the market. But just go to Goodreads, a Goodreads Award, slash award, and mm-hmm. they list... like thousands of book contests in various languages and various genres. If the book contest that you're looking at isn't on that list, then it's going to carry no prestige to win it. So just watch where, you know, that $50 or $100 a book, it can quickly add up. Well, it can, and the other the other thing is that uh, I, I'm going to go back since we said author author house author solution. What, you know their their relationship with Balboa Press is they come in in town and they do these deals where they're going to someone's going to win a contract with oh. Balboa. That's their deal. You enter in this, or they'll do a big workshop and they'll get hundreds and hundreds of of authors and authors to be there. Someone is going to win, and you have to submit this, you know, some kind of a deal. And it turns out there's no way they can read all these submissions in this short period. There's just no way. I'm sorry. And and to pick one, what they do is they go back. Maybe they do it any, mini mini mo, but they go back to everyone saying, "Oh, we're sorry, you're not the grand prize winner to get a contract with us, but we will give you a." special cut rate deal and all of a sudden you're in the door at for $567 and all of a sudden you're down the path and you're up for many thousands with all their up sales. That is another technique that we see with contests. Yes. And then sometimes on contests, uh, by entering the contest, you are agreeing to sign on to their publishing contract, which often has no advance, no reversion of rights, very low royalties. Uh, and, and this is the prize. The prize is you, you are forced into this perpetual publishing contract uh, with a publisher with a bad reputation. That's not a prize I want to win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. So no. That's, the, yeah, that's another problem with contests. Yeah, we we actually did, author, you did the Draft to Dream book publishing contest, and we had four grand prize winners, and it was a $99 entry, which is on your higher end. We had four grand prize winners, and they each got a full publishing of their book, but they control it, not with a company. They got the designer, they got the interior designer, they got the editing, they got the Ingram, they got everything with that price. Four of them did. That's it's huge. Great. Yeah, And there are, there are many great contests out there. Uh, but again, just writers need to do their homework mm-hmm. and 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 do a search online and put the name of the contest in there and see what people are saying about it. Um, not not everybody has your best interests in heart at heart. I know they have to remember that. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about defamation and privacy and some of these scary things that go along with it. So how do you keep yourself out of deep doo-doo if you're going to use your name or somebody else's name in your writing? This is Author You, your guide to book publishing, and Helen Sedwick is our guest. Is your guide to book publishing everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles? And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. The book 
shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need The Book Shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Bryles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today, 303-885-2207. That's 303-885-2207 or email her at judith at bryles.com. By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at My Book Shepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years' experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, we're talking legal, legal stuff for authors and writers today. With me is Helen Sedwick. She's the author of the Self-Publishers Legal Handbook, which I highly recommend. And uh, while, we were, while we were on the air, I actually bought a second copy for myself. And we wanted to spend this last segment talking about maybe some copyright infringement uh, options. What do we do when we know it's blatantly there and maybe how to tell? And secondly, the whole issue of defamation. How do we protect ourselves if we go down that path? And what exactly is it and is not? So, Helen, I'm going to toss the ball to you on that one. Uh, on defamation? Sure. sure. Let's talk about defamation. Uh, the legal definition is defamation is a false statement of fact about an identifiable person 
that's published or disseminated and causes reputational harm. And if that target is a somebody in the public eye, the writer has to have made the statement pretty much knowing that it was false or being really recklessly disregarding that it might be false. Uh, defam ed, defamation is an incre incredibly hard case for somebody to win. Like if, you, if a writer defames somebody, it is very hard for that person to win. It happens. Um, and, and when it happens, usually I say that the rule of thumb I have is it's a combination of money and emotion. The more emotion that's involved, um, the more and the more money that your target has, the more likely you are to get sued. Now, you're probably not going to get sued by a family member because by the time they hire attorneys and prove damages, etc., uh, it's not going to be worth their while to go to court. They may threaten, they may be very upset, but. Uh, litigation is an incredibly expensive process, very stress-inducing, and most people, when it comes right down to it, uh, decide they have better things to do in their with their lives. Uh, if a writer is going after, I say, big, big agriculture, big drugs, Wall Street, uh, City Hall, if you're going after a target with uh, with, with a lot of money or power behind them, then you should have your manuscript vetted by an attorney. It should, an attorney should be part of your team um, if you're if you're going after anybody with significant um, pocketbook to come to come back after you. It's just it's just part of the package of your team along with your publisher. You also should look into insurance. You can buy media perils insurance or even business liability insurance. And what's great about insurance is the insurance company hires the attorneys to defend you. And that's even on a case that's kind of outrageous that someone doesn't really have any legitimate complaint, uh, reason to complain, but they are just kind of crazy and are suing you. Insurance can be a very good option. Most writers don't need it. They're not writing something that, that has a defamation risk involved. Uh, but for writers who are writing the cutting-edge book, going after somebody, they need to educate themselves on the risks. Mm -hmm. And what about people, Helen, that, um, you know, people will go through, you see these in gossipy stuff, that they're, what page am I on in there? Or it could be that whatever character you develop, people are so, someone maybe so paranoid or is so convinced that, you have written about them, somehow you've crossed them in a path. Is there any way to protect yourself? Uh, from the crazies? No, unfortunately. <laughs> um, like insurance, you can buy, you know, in many states you can buy a business liability policy mm -hmm. for five to $700 a year, um, which you have to decide whether you want that, that will protect you against the crazies or negligent uh, defamation. Not intentional, but uh, if you said something that you didn't intend to, to be identifiable as somebody, uh, you could get some insurance coverage. Uh, if you are writing a memoir about family members or real people, uh, you 
you really need to explore the truth, you know, both your truth, their truth. I mean, if you're really writing a good memoir, often what happens is you find some compassion even for your enemies. And, it, and by the time you're finished with your book, it's not quite as damning of the other person as maybe you meant it to be when you started the book. <laughs> as I call it, the getting even book. You know, hopefully the getting even book you should write with passion then put aside and then edit with mm-hmm. a uh, with a calmer head. You actually probably make your book more universal, the story more universally relatable and probably less legally toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, sometimes one of the advice is you write it with passion, but don't publish it. And, 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 and edit, so, yeah. is it write drunk and edit sober? It's the same thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, as I said earlier in the program, uh, it is something that lawyer, uh, writers should educate themselves about, if they're, particularly if they're doing memoir or nonfiction or if they're really going after a particular um, wrongdoer. Uh, but signing a bad contract is actually a bigger risk for most writers. Mm-hmm. And, and getting and get, for versus getting sued. Yes, or sometimes writers unintent. You know, the other thing writers and bloggers do is, you know, you probably all know, don't pluck images off the internet and slap them on your blog. Uh, mm-hmm. That can be a very expensive mistake. Uh, that that image may belong to somebody. So writers. Do, Learn how to search for Creative Commons uh, licensed images or use stock images or take your own, create your own images um, if, if you want to uh, simplify your life in terms of avoiding infringement of other people's work. Yeah, you know, I've certainly gone down that route. I mean, I, I have a, a gazillion, gazillion posters um, that we drop into blogs and we push out there on the Internet. And we actually put our name on it, which I would recommend to everyone. You know, put put your put your website, put your name on them so and get it embedded. And so if they do get circulated around, you're there. You, you go with it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, then we can talk about a little bit if you are finding your work infringed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, the, the key word to look, understand is a takedown notice. Um, if you see your work posted on Facebook, you can, or Twitter, or some Tumblr, most of those sites have a link right to where you can send a takedown notice, um, and you just fill out an online form. Uh, one thing writers should watch out for, there are all these sites that say, download a free copy of Self-Publishers Legal Handbook. And those pop up, most of those are considered, they're not actually downloading a free copy of your book to somebody. They're downloading your free sample that's already on Smashwords or Amazon, and they're downloading malware onto someone else's computer. You could chase down all those sites and get them taken down and get your link taken down, but it's a game of whack-a-mole. You'll never get them all. Mm-hmm. You're better off just sticking mm-hmm. to writing your book. Um, but, and, but write, and, and, and hopes that someone wants the real thing and they'll just go buy it. I think your real readers aren't going to download a free book. Uh, I think they're going to you – know, we can sell an ebook for two ninety nine on Amazon – most people are willing to pay two ninety nine or four ninety nine or even nine ninety nine for a good read. They are. 
Mm-hmm. And they're the readers you want anyway. The super fan, exactly. Yeah. All right. So in that, um, one other thing we, uh, you know, we haven't covered uh, is the whole music industry, which really is aggressive in going after people who, who use their lyrics. So is there any loosening up? Because there was something that just came along, like Taylor Swift was out there and, and angry at Apple for doing something. I didn't read it all up, but something, their new contracts or they're not paying the artists what they should be paying them. Do you think about that? This is about streaming, and that streaming. Uh, All right. if you have on subscription services, um, the, the, the artists just get paid so little. So she just yanked all of her music off the subscription services, so you have to actually buy her albums, and you can't get them streamed anymore. Um, it, that's a battle between the power of the artist versus the power of the distributing company, the Amazons or the Apple, the iTunes stores. And it will be interesting how that plays out. And, but, but about using lyrics, if writers using lyrics, I have a free download on my website at helensedwick.com under resources. Mm-hmm. And it's how to use memorable lyrics without paying a fortune or a lawyer. <laughs> and also mm. there's one, how to use eye-catching images without paying a fortune or a lawyer. They cover some basics about what fair use is, what public domain is, and if you do have, you do need to get permission because there's lyrics or an image that's owned by somebody that you definitely want to use, how, how to find out who that person is and how to ask for permission. So I get these questions a lot, so I just wrote I just wrote a free handout for people to help them through that process. Well, you know, I'm going to go to your website and actually link to that because I think that's a good idea to uh, for me to write a blog about that because it is a constant question and um, and it's an idea. So I hate to say this, we're going to have to wrap up. So giving okay. Helen's giving Helen's uh, thank you to her and uh, her, her website Helen Sedwick S E D W I C K dot com. Go to it. Sign up for a blog, excellent blog, and and get those two PDFs on dealing with lyrics and how do you find them in the images. Great idea. Thanks, Helen. Let's have you back. All right. So happy writing and publishing to everyone. This is Judith Riles. Next week, we're talking about foreign rights. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Riles. Each week, a variety